Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. My next guest on Just the Sip is one of my favorite people on reality TV. I am constantly amazed by how this person has reinvented himself time and time again and has really upped his game and his craft. And, you know, audiences on Logo saw it, audiences on VH1 saw it, but the world is finally recognizing Shangela for who she is. Please welcome my favorite drag queen from RuPaul's Drag Race and the new HBO hit series. We're here. Shangela is here. Honey, I got to get this beat, this little at-home beat together because I have the queen of all queens today. (laughs) Miss Shangela is in the house. Well, holla, How are you? Child, I'm over here just fully socially distant, locked down. Uh, I've been referring to myself as Miss Quarantina Turner over here (laughs) rolling on the Good River in Paris, Texas at my grandma's house. How hard is it for you to quarantine? Because I've seen you on stage before and you light up when you see people. It must be such a change for you. Well, you know, I am you know one of those divas on the go. And I, I wrote a song called Working Girl Professional because I am a working girl professional. But quarantine actually has been as bad as I thought it would be. It's given me a great time. You know, I came here to Paris, Texas to be close to my mom and my grandma, which basically means I'm 12 years old again, uh, eating (laughs) way too much and uh, and enjoying time with them. But also like the biggest, or I guess the hardest part has been not being able to really connect with people. I could do that even in my hometown, but you go to like a Walmart and you have a mask on and I'm smiling at people and they're just looking at me. I'm like, oh, they can't tell I'm smiling. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're going to be able to connect with people on a bigger level because, honey, that show last week, how the hell did you get a six-part special with HBO? That is the hardest thing to do in show business. Well, I've got a huge amount of gratitude, baby. I got to credit that one to the creators of this show, uh, Steve Warren and Johnny Ingram, who came to me with the idea and said, look, we want to take you and two of your drag queen." homegirls across America, specifically in the small towns, to, you know, connect with people, help them realize their best selves through this, like, transformative power of drag. And y'all be putting on a one-night-only drag show. And I was like, in places, you know, that basically never had them before. So in I Paris, like, Texas. Oh, yeah, well, I'm from Paris, Texas. I was like, I know what it's like, you know, to be in a small town and, and not have that visibility, that queer 
visibility around you and know if there's a community of support anywhere. So um, I was like, yes, sign me up. And they have championed this show, you know, out there and then getting HBO on board. They've been a joy. They even invited us to be consulting producers on the show in addition wow. to on-air hosts because they wanted the show to have this authenticity uh, to it and, you know, that the, that the drag girls do. And, and it's just been great to bring this project to life. Look, you have worked in this business for a very long time. You've done three seasons of Drag Race. You've seen the best of the best hit the stage. How did you decide on Bob the Drag Queen and Eureka? Well, I didn't decide. It was uh, definitely the creators of the show that said, we're, we were put together kind of like Charlie's Angels, right? Mm. So you got you got Lucy, you got Cameron, and you got Drew over there doing their thing. And they said, you know, this is the team that we need together to kick butt of, you know, discrimination and stigma across America. And honestly, it's been like an amazing sister. I mean, we were all from the RuPaul's Drag Race family. So we've all worked together in some way before, but now being uh, together as a team on this show has really been a gift. Like I've gotten to know the two of them so much better. And I don't know how we get no work done because we just have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Take me back to that moment when you were living in that small town and you found drag and how did it transform you as a person? Well, growing up in Paris, Texas, I remember I was, uh, when I first left, when I got, you know, I went to college in Dallas and I was like, all right, I'm gonna reinvent, you know, myself and be out and proud. And cause I was coming into uh, myself as a young queer adult, right? And I didn't find drag, though. I first discovered drag in Dallas while I was there. I was backup dancing for a lot of pageant drag queens. Oh, and honey, I was living on the front row, just... Living her life. Yeah, and I got such a great introduction to drag, like being in those back dressing rooms, hearing the girls, watching them, yeah, um, being in that mix was always like a family. It was a beautiful family for me. It actually helped me to come out of my shell even more Amazing. as a gay person and, and enjoy my life. And then I first started drag when I moved over to LA. So she's reinventing again. And that's where Shangela uh, first took the stage. And honey, I felt like Beyonce and I never looked back. <laughs> what year was this? That was, my first show was in 2009. Okay. The craziest thing about this story, I don't know if you even remember it. It was one of your first shows. I want to say it was in West Hollywood somewhere. Yeah, I was doing mm -hmm. it at the Here Lounge. And at the Here Lounge. Yes. Which is now Chapel, they say. Yes. <laughs> a, a friend of mine, Christian Brescia, was like, oh, you have to come check out Shangela. Like, she is a friend of mine. She just started this drag thing we should go see her. And I was like, of course, yeah, let's go. Let's go check it out. I could not believe that it was one of your first drag shows. It was intense and it was amazing. And I remember him saying, oh yeah, he's going to pick it up full time. This is going to be his thing. In 2009, did you ever imagine that you would be where you are right now because of your craft? Because at that time, we only had one. There was only one, there was Rue, and that was it. To answer that first question of, did I ever see myself in this position, that was gonna be my craft? No, I did not. And I'll tell you why. Because at the time I was working in a PR corporate job during the day, I was doing my drag at night. And then, honestly, I'd only done drag about 10 times. I was doing that show at the Hero Lounge that you're talking about, yes. once every two weeks. 
And intense is a great way to describe it because, girl, you know, I was a new queen. I was going for it. I would get up on the bar. I would death drop off the side. I Everywhere. Living, living. And um, and I remember getting cast on RuPaul's Drag Race as a baby. I'd only been doing drag five months, 10 shows total. And all hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There are thousands of drag queens who apply for RuPaul's Drag Race every single season. Thousands. And they pick how many to get in the house? Uh, generally anywhere between 10, 12, 13 queens a year. And you got in five months after getting your first wig. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, that is not to say I'm any, at the time, was any better than any queen that applied. I just had something that the casting directors thought She's got it. Let's put her on this show. And I remember even being on the stage when RuPaul said, you are my top 12 children in America. And I was on the road looking down the line like this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know how to put on makeup. Well, everyone's seen my journey. And I, who, who have followed me. And I'm very thankful, you know, uh, that my fans stuck with me. Like, from the time I was, like, Busted baby fish first coming in the door to now being on the new show, uh, HBO show, we're here. So it's been a real interesting journey this last 10 years. But I'm, you know what? The only reason that I'm here is because I didn't give up and I kept working hard. I was the first one to go home after season two, right? And I remember going home and thinking, because I had quit my job to go there. Because I thought, oh, baby, I'm about to win this 20 grand and make all my dreams come true. Oh, I'm about to go on tour. I'm about to get this yeah. cosmetics no, line. 20 grand, because, you know, I was poor fish. So I thought, oh, 20 grand, bitch, that's life. I just made it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember being sent home first and thinking, oh, my gosh, I just quit my job. Like, do I go back and tell them, like, just kidding, <laughs> I need my job back? But I thought, you know what? This is something I love doing. I have a great passion for entertaining. I have a great passion for drag. And I remember the reason I packed up my car and moved from Dallas to LA was to work in entertainment, to work in television and film and be on stage. So I said, all right, Shins, you're going to put your work into this and we're going to make it work. And that's yeah. what I did. You know, it's funny because whenever I started working for Kyle Richards, there were bits and pieces of my family that knew I was gay. And in the black community, you know, it's like a don't ask, don't tell kind of thing. Like everybody just, everyone knows that you have a friend and, you a know. Friend. Don't you love that? A little friend. That's what I would get. How's your yeah. little friend? How's your little friend? <laughs> and that, that means, hey, they accept you. They don't want to talk about it. But that was their way of accepting you. But when I met Kyle and I was going to appear on the Royal Housewives of Beverly Hills, I then had to have those hard conversations before they saw my ass on reality TV talking about gay best friend and gay sidekick and yada, yada, yada. What was it like explaining to your family? And what was the reaction that you got whenever you said, this is what I want to do with my life? So when I went to L.A. and first started performing in drag, I didn't like send a telegram back home to Texas like, hey, everybody, I'm doing drag now because I figured I'm all the way over here, they're over there, nothing major, right? But, but Facebook is a bitch. Yeah, baby. So, um, but you see, my grandma didn't have Facebook, right? So I was like, eh, no one's gonna really know. My mom was already in support. She was there for my first show holding two phones recording, okay? That's the camera. <laughs> but when it came to other people in my family, I was like, you know, I'm over here. And I remember after being on season two, you know, I was the first one to go home. It, I went into full work mode and how I was going to make the most out of this moment and totally 
like it totally skipped my mind that the show would be picked up by VH1 off of not just Logo at the time, but then to VH1 to be aired. Well, my grandma's neighbor, Miss Jones, saw me on the show, went over to Granny's house and was like, oh, did you see your grandson? She dressed as a woman on TV. Well, Granny had no clue what that meant. Like she didn't know the differences between like drag and a transgender performer or transsexual, it, none of the above. And so it kind of forced us to have a conversation that I would have otherwise just probably not had at the time. But what the great thing about it is it actually brought us a lot closer together. I no longer had to uh, edit out different parts yes. of my life that I was so very proud and happy about. And it actually gave her a greater understanding of things about my community that, you know, forced a conversation that actually brought us closer together. And now you're like this one, just now on her wall, right? In our house, if you know Black Granny House, it's got like, there's some pictures on the wall. And in her room, there's like uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And there's like JFK. The pride wall, the pride Obama, wall. Jesus and Shangela Laquifa Watley. <laughs> Do you think if RuPaul wouldn't have happened, if that first season wouldn't have happened, you would still be in the closet about your life and this passion of yours? You know, you never know what road it would have taken, but I'll tell you this, I'm very thankful to RuPaul and to everyone who's, you know, created RuPaul's Drag Race because it definitely brought that moment about at that time for me. And it happened at a beautiful time that it had all worked out. So I'm very thankful because, you know, I was able to show my grandma not only was this something I loved doing, but it was on television and she could see other queens also. Yes. Doing it and what their... Uh, route was and who they were as people behind the wig and the makeup. And, and I think it was really cool. Tell me what it was like, because I always say the worst thing in life is being a one season housewife. And the other worst thing in life is being the first bitch who goes home on RuPaul. When you went back for season three and then for All Stars, what was in your mind? Did, was it, did it mean more to you that they asked you back again? And where did you want to get at that point? Because were you thinking, I need to win this, or I just need to get past a certain point? Well, in going back to those two different seasons, season three and then years between the All-Stars three, there were two very different ways of thinking for me. Season three, I had just been the first voted off season two. I was the first queen that RuPaul ever brought me back on another season to compete again. So I felt this like immense pressure. Like, I don't want to let Ru down. I don't want to let, yeah. you know, my fans down. I, I, I want to win this. And I want to show that I'm not the same person that came in the door a year ago, you know, with no makeup on. And I had really done some work on myself between season two and season three. Yeah. But I felt like, I had this huge pressure. And then, you know, I was getting into so I was getting into squabbles with people, you know, everything I took personally. And when the girl said I had a sugar daddy, you know, I was like, hold up, time out, sweetheart. Let's get it together before you want to read. I don't have a sugar daddy. I never had a sugar daddy. If I want a sugar daddy, yes, I probably go out and get one because I am what? Sick me. You could never have a sugar daddy because you are not that kind of girl. Girl, I was just going, that's who Baby Shant was at the time. I was, I really was not only fighting. You're feisty. But I was feisty, and, and it's because, you know, I still have maturing to go to understand that in life, you don't have to always do all that to be heard and respected and understood. But I was a baby girl. I didn't know no better. So she was going in. That being said, when I went back to All Stars 3, you know, there had been like, what, like a seven to eight year gap between that where I had been 
yeah. traveling the world, you know, going around and uh, connecting with fans, experiencing and learning about all different types of drag and yeah. having this like better perspective of who I was as a queen and an entertainer. So going back to All Stars 3, honey, I was excited. Every runway, I was like, here's another chance for me to turn it. You know, Ready. I was thrilled to go back and showcase to my fans what I had done and to show them, baby, it don't matter where you start on any particular journey, look at all that I've been able to do and it's because I worked for it. I worked for this moment. Every time on that runway, it's, I prepared. I was like Khaleesi going into battle. I had a battle. <laughs> I was ready. So I was excited to go back. It's so crazy because like when you look at drag and you think about it, there are people, there was a very small portion of a city who would appreciate the craftsmanship and the performance, but there was a very big part of the world who judged it and looked down on it. You know, how far has drag come since, you know, you started? Well, I think that's a great, what it was a great question to look at. And then through our show, we're here. I think you get an insight to that. You know, we're going across America to very small towns. And you see um, sometimes that we haven't come as far as we thought we had. You know, yeah. Paul Queen, you know, I've been all around the world. I performed in, you know, 184 cities in one year alone and performed on six out of seven continents. I'm celebrating, you know. So going into some of these spaces and, in some episodes, we, the cops are called on us, you know, for just being uh -huh. on the street promoting our shows. And it's like, you can't do that in front of my store. I'm calling the police. And, you know, they do all that. There were moments where people said they would never shop in stores again that we had been in. It, wow. There were moments of true opposition. And that showed, you know what, as far as we think that we've, you know, made this great progress with regard to acceptance and, and equality, there are pockets in the world, and especially here in America, where we have not. Yeah. We have to keep pushing our message and showing up and being visible and being shamelessly proud of who we are and saying, it don't matter, we're still going to be here. And also, the cool thing is, um, and I think this is you know attributed to not only RuPaul's Drag Race, but how many more people in our society are going, I'm not afraid to say, I'm gay and I'm proud of being gay. Yes. And also, allies that go, and I love her. I love her and I love that community over there and I'm not ashamed to say it. And yeah. that's what we did in a lot of these places you'll find in watching the show. We have we go in and actually unearth these communities of support where you would never expect there would be communities of support. People who you would go, well, that's yeah. definitely going to meet the girls. And they did. <laughs> they actually came out and supported. So, Well, it's interesting that you say there's pockets in the world and in America where it's not very supportive, but when I look at my own community as a black gay man, it's harder for me to get ahead, you know, with my own brother sometimes. Like, I feel like, you know, it's like, there it could be a dude who makes less money than me, who's less ambitious and who looks half as good as me, but he's still gonna be on top because he is white and European and he has that look that everybody wants. Is it the same in the drag community? Is it harder for a black queen to get ahead in life? Well, I can't pretend to ignore that there are definitely privileges for some others and, and people will, there's a greater fan base sometimes for other queens that aren't queens of color. However, I will tell you this, that also is a mentality that is ingrained in us as, at least for me, as a young black kid growing up in yes. a small town specifically, like you have to be the best. There's only room for one of y'all up there. 
So if you're, yeah. you know, they're like, I remember trying out for the cheerleading squad and someone telling me, well, you're not going to make it. They already got two black people on the squad. And I was Whoa. like, why can't there be three? And then also people are very surprised sometimes to see that in the show we're here, there are two queens of color who are actually caused out of the three. There's more than 50% of us that are yeah. represented as hosts, me and Bob the drag queen. And, you know, Eureka is also great as well. But, you know, as queens of color and as people of color, a lot of times we're taught to compete against each other so much that it's we're not super supportive of each other because we think there's only a space for a few of us, if not more than one. But how do you change that mentality? Because I still sometimes find myself going back into that way of thinking because I grew up in a small town in Louisiana, like super small. Bro Bridge, tiny, and that's the mentality that you are taught is that there's only one room for one of you, so you better be better, faster, and stronger. And I'm a 33-year-old man. I still find myself going back to that. I can't get over that. On one hand, I'm thankful that some of that was instilled in me because it did drive me to work harder yes. to be one of the best. However, I think that having this conversation, conversations just like this one here, are very important that we acknowledge it. So when that thought comes in our mind, you go, you know, I'm thinking that way because I was taught that way. Actually, let me call her and say, you know what, girl, there's an audition over here. They're hiring, you know, black drag queens. You better go in for that audition because here's the deal. At the end of the day, the person who is the best for the job will get the job. Yes. And it's a big thing about showing up and being and knowing who you are, being comfortable with who you are to go. I, I love me. And if they don't choose me today, it's because they just didn't want me who I what I was serving, what I was given, and that ain't got nothing to do with me and my talent. That's what was going being looked for in that particular yes. job. So, you know, we have to we have to break through that in a way, but it's a really hard mentality to break through. But I think every person should want to be the best. No, not the best black person, not the best gay person, but the best, the best in the room. Be a professional. No, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. Now, I don't know how I've been watching RuPaul's Drag Race. I just watched that Trixie Mattel documentary. There's a lot of drama in the drag community. The D in drag stands for <laughs> drama. Okay. How do you not get caught up in that time and time again? Because it did seem like the second time you went to drag race, they were poking the bear. They were getting a rise out of you. But it almost seems like now you have come into the world with your head down and eye on the prize and you're focusing. How hard is it to not get involved in that drama? You know what? Um, my head is definitely not down. The head is straight up. And I think that's what helps me do it. I see things that are going on, but I totally try to stay as focused as I can on being the best Shangela that I can be. And when you are 100% into yourself, not trying to be, you know, Beyonce song ego. <laughs> but sometimes you will get dragged into drama. Sometimes you have to address it quickly, briefly, factually, and keep it moving. And those who know you and support you will still be there with you. They know the truth. They can see it. And honestly, our community has enough going on with outside people trying to bring us down than for us to try bring each other down. So I'm just 100% on not only myself, but lift other people up. It feels so much better to lift people up than to bring them down. And I try not to even get involved with other people. So I'm going, girl, did you see what happened with Sosa? Girl, I didn't see it. But let me tell you, bitch, I'm over here working on me. Ooh, let me talk about that. You know, or whatever, <laughs> just something more positive than, than the negative stuff. But you like to bring a receipt. If it's necessary, 
<laughs> you like to present a receipt. Yes, I do. Because a lot of times I feel like things that get put on the internet or conversations that I have, we have so much social media now, a lot of that stuff becomes the truth or people take it as the truth. If you can't respond appropriately with factual evidence, maybe I won't judge Judy. Judge Judy said, okay, that's hearsay. So what, where, show me the text message, show me the contract, show me the email. If you ain't got none of that, Judge Judy is going on to the next case and this person over here is about to go home with your check. So I'm like, mm, nope, Judy said, bring the receipts. I'll come with the receipts. I love that you were a child of daytime TV because Judge Judy, Mata Williams, and Ricky Lake raised me all every summer, all summers. And that's where I get all my shit from as well. Um, how do you wait? Date? Don't forget Jenny Jones, J bitch. Jenny Jones was all up in people's business with that turtleneck, and she would walk with that that mic like this and just point it at everybody. <laughs> how does one date, and how do you find people who are here <laughs> for DJ and not? here for Shangela, or do you have to break the wig out every now and then and just give it to him with a hair flip? Let me tell you, there used to be in my house uh, two separate closets, and one was the Shangela closet and one was the DJ closet. So if, you know, I wasn't as comfortable with myself always as, you know, when dating someone to be like, oh, and I'm also a drag queen. But you know what I found? That there's no use in trying to hide any part of who you are. Because if it's really a person that you're expecting to spend any considerable amount of time in or share yourself with, then you shouldn't hide anything. Let it all be out. And I love that uh, now about myself that I'm, I'm very that way. I don't actually get to date a lot because I'm, you know, I'm always on the road. I guess during quarantine, I can't even be close to nobody no more. So it's, it's a wrap. But I've, um, but I just love meeting people and, and, and all that. But yeah, I'm not the best dater, I don't think. I just, you know, I'm always on the go and I'm not a texting person. Yeah. Uh, like too much on the phone. I'm not a phone call, all that. So I'd, I'd be a horrible person today, I'm sure. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car, you should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I have to talk about three things in your life. I always feel like when I'm a little envious of somebody, it means that they're doing something real good. Like when there's like a twinge of jealousy in the back of my throat, I can clap for you. But I also am like, God damn it, she is doing it. First and foremost, a star is born. When you got that phone call, bitch. When you got that mother phone call, because in Hollywood, we have this saying, you don't say until you see so when you see that script and when you see that set, then you can say something. How hard was it for you to keep the secret that you were going to be in one of the biggest movies of the year? What was that moment like? When did you finally tell people that a star was born? <laughs> you know, I kind of didn't tell people uh, because I've been in this uh, business for about 10, almost 10 years now. So working to be in television and films always been my dream. 
But in doing that, I've had some roles sometimes where I've learned, mama, you're going to learn to keep that mouth shut, okay? <laughs> I'll never forget. I told my mother, mama, I'm in a new movie called R.I.P.D., okay? Mm -hmm. It was with Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges. And in this one part, Jeff Bridges was supposed to be an alien. He was going to morph into me. Shannon, Huge. Huge. In drag. And I, and I delivered these lovely lines, the camera, all that. So I told mama, ooh, wait. And when the movie said R.I.P.D. comes out, I said, mama, go see R.I.P.D. See your baby on the screen. Mama called me immediately after the show. She said, uh, baby, you ain't in that movie. <laughs> I said, no. And I was like, mama, no, you didn't understand. Mama, I'm in drag. That's why you didn't recognize it. And Jeff Bridges is an alien. He morphs into me in drag. And I deliver these lovely lines to the camera. Mama said, uh, baby, I stay till after the credits. You are not in that movie. <laughs> she hit you with Amari Povich. Pull on, Povich. Yes, ma'am. And so I was so cracked. And I had told everybody no. I was in the movie. So And you know the I, themes. And, and you know the gays, honey. We gonna go in 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 tribes in motherfucking herds to go see that to make sure you in that movie. You already know. So I got multiple text messages. Hey, I thought you said you were in this movie. <laughs> did I go see the wrong movie? Is there another version coming out? Now, truth be told, I did make the DVD bonus extras. Technically, you were in the movie. Technically. I still got that 26 cent residual, residual check because, you know, she didn't do too well at box office numbers. But I will say this. I learned zip. So I didn't tell anybody really about being a Star is Born until right after I saw it the first time on the full screen at the London movie premiere. And I mean, I was living that night because, you know, Gaga was there. She looked fabulous. She was in the McQueen, you know, with the thing on the neck. And, and I was yes. in the look. And I saw in the carpet, she was so sweet, like, hello, actress. You know, she was a doll. She was a doll. And I had rolled up on Bradley because Bradley was about to leave. And they said, you know, Brad, Mr. Cooper is going to film something else. Baby, I jumped in the middle of him in that car. Excuse me, Mr. Cooper. And he was like, well, hello, Shannon. <laughs> So You're anyway, like, we're going to get this photo. We're going to get this photo. And I remember, yeah, oh, I got the, and I was the only one that got one too that night with the two of them together and me living. So anyhow, um, I got in the movie theater and I had the big Diana Ross hair on, you know, because it's, you know, vol voluminous hair. Oh, you were that and bitch in the, in the front row. You were that bitch in the front row blocking everybody. And I knew it. And I didn't want to be that girl because I thought, girl, watch. Mr. and Mrs. Warner Brothers probably sitting right behind me. They ain't going to book me for nothing else. <laughs> so I laid down in the seat like this next to Mama, who was over in London, like this, and watched the movie. And let me tell you, every scene that we shot ended up making it in the film. Even stuff that I was like, oh, that ain't never going to be there, was totally in the movie. So I was so excited. After that, I was texting everybody, make sure you see a star is born because I'm in the movie. You're like, we good. It's a go. It's a go. It's a go. It was a go. But let me ask you this because look, you were in one of the first scenes with Bradley and Gaga. It happened on your watch. Did you see any sparks flying between the two? Did you even think that something was going on? Because you know we can, you know we can suss out some You know what? I'm gonna tell you this. Those two are consummate professional actors and actresses, okay? Mm. They made me want to be a better diva on set because they were so good. I was like, oh, they ain't gonna mock me. 
to death in this scene. I better do well. You know, me and Willem were there and I just remember, yes, I mean, sparks definitely looked like they were flying because that was their job to sell yeah. the romance between those two. And let me tell you something, whatever they were selling, I was buying, honey, because they did a lovely job. I bought three. I bought three. <laughs> it was so good. The other thing that happened because of this movie is that you were the first queen to walk an Oscars red carpet in full drag. Shangela? <laughs> there was so much building up to that moment. I was invited to go by Mark Shaman, who, cause you know how the Oscars always get, they get a certain limited number of tickets. And you know, I'm down here on the call sheet. It was like Gaga and Bradley and, yes. you know, uh, Sam Elliott, you know, the big players, the big names that are legends in the industry. And then it was, you know, I was down here. So I wasn't going to be able to go. And then Mark Shaman, who was nominated for, you know, best song for Mary Poppins Returns, right? Yes. Uh, he's best friends with Jennifer Lewis. And Mark has been uh, a great uh, friend as well for, you know, since I began working as Jennifer's assistant. I moved to L.A. and the first job I got was Jennifer Lewis's assistant, right? And I remember, and they were best friends for like, you know, 40 years. So he was so kind. He said, you know what? You deserve to be here for this moment. Wow. And he invited me and Jen to come along with him. And he wow. with me. So that's how I got to go. Then Jennifer, you know, Jennifer is like one of my best friends, mentors. Like oh, LA She's like amazing. She even was there when I was doing the audition. I remember coming upstairs and going, Jen, will you read this with me? Because I have an audition for Star is Born. And she was like, all right, come on. I ain't got a lot of time. Let's go. You know, you're Jennifer Lewis, right? And I remember I was so nervous. She stopped me in the middle. And she goes, uh, baby, let me tell you something. I'm Jennifer Lewis, all right? Remind a bitch. My time. She said, you have obviously have not rehearsed enough. When God got calls, you show up. There is no half step. You go full out. So you go get this together right now. Don't you come half step. Don't turn off all the TV. You need to focus in and you go get this job. So wow. I remember like working so hard because I didn't want to let Gaga down, I didn't want to let Jen down. And then fast forward to us going to the Oscars together. And I remember Jennifer said, now listen, we going, but I, we're going to be extra early, okay? You sound just like her. Opens at one, we're going to get there early because you don't want to be on the carpet and then like, you know, the bigger, big, big stars more than you, because here you are, Shandler, your first movie, you know. Show up and then you're gonna get bumped off the carpet. They gotta keep you moving. All the time. They love to bump a bitch off the carpet. Honey, when I tell you, Jen made sure we got there so early that when we arrived, the press person came to the car and said, um, you know, they haven't opened the carpet yet, but <laughs> as soon as they do, I'll come grab y'all. <laughs> they were still rolling it out. I was the first person on the red carpet. And I was only supposed to talk, you know how it goes. You obviously know how it goes. I was only supposed to talk to maybe three outlets, you know, because they were like very busy not, while I was there. Well, because nobody else was there, I mean, we got all the pictures and got to talk to almost everybody <laughs> down the line to the point where we, Jennifer did a circle. She was like, oh, I forgot my purse and left no. me. And that next thing I know, she's doing the rounds again. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Lewis. Oh, I'll, I'll never forget. 
I'll never, and to share that moment, not only being the first drag queen and being there in, in that moment and being able to, to say that now, but also to represent for all those queer people, especially drag queens that ever, never thought like we'll get to that moment. Yeah. To be a part of that is really cool. But also to have shared that moment with one of my best friends. Um, it, Who believed in you. Can't take nobody with you publicist and assistant and Jen's there holding my gown like oh man, I want them to see all this gown get it get it <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy because a living legend that woman is living True. legend in every aspect of her career movies tv Broadway she is just Jennifer goddamn Lewis not to be mistaken for Wanda Sykes ever we all learned that lesson <laughs> And how uh, gracious was Jen in all those moments? She was wonderful. But that's who she is. And that's why everybody simply loves her because she is gracious. She could, she could be the biggest diva if she wanted to because she earned it. But never, never in my life have I ever encountered her. And she was nothing but amazing. The third thing I want to talk about, and it almost pains me to not be able to reach into this goddamn screen and shake your ass for Beyonce in front of a Beyonce. I mean, come on, I'll shake me for you. I mean, I'm gonna tell you this, when, when Glad, first of all, I gotta thank Glad. Glad really ushered that moment in and, and helped put it together. When they brought the idea to me, now get this, the awards are on a Thursday, right? Uh -huh. This is the uh -huh. Glad Media Awards in LA where Beyonce and Jay-Z were being honored. I was called on a Friday and they said, you know, we have a great idea. We, I was supposed to just host the, co-host the auction, okay? Yes. They said, we have a great idea. You know, Beyonce's being honored this year. We know you love Beyonce. I said, I do. They yeah. said, well, um, would you be interested in maybe like performing a Beyonce number on stage, you know? And I said, I would, y'all, I would love to, but let me tell you right now, she'll never go for it. Okay, I, I, I'm like, it's not gonna happen. Cause they were like, well, we have to call, you know, Beyonce to get approval. The fact that they get to call number one, but we have to call for the approval. And I was like, it's not gonna happen. And not saying anything bad about Beyonce. I just didn't see like one of the world's most mega stars, divas saying like, yeah, I wanna sit here, you know, while this drag queen who does me gets on stage and it basically impersonates me and me sit here and watch her and, and I just, I don't know, I'm crazy. I just didn't see it happening. That was on a Friday. On Monday, I got the call. They said, Beyonce loved the idea and she said she would love to see you do the performance. No! Yes. So now you got four days to jimmy, yeah. to shake, to bake, to marinate, to put together a queen-worthy performance. And listen, they said, yeah, you can just do one song. That's fine. Well, no, baby. No, not for Beyonce. I wanted to, uh, this was, you know what? This was a tribute show, okay? This was one of those Divas Live, like the Aretha, the, the honors. What are they? Yes. Uh, the Kennedy. I was doing the Kennedy Center honors, Beyonce. That's what I thought in my head. So I said, no, I want to do a mega mix. I'm doing a mail. I called my friend Joella Puss. I said, we got to put this together. And, you know, I've been performing Beyonce since... My, the first number I ever did on stage in 09 was Beyonce Single Ladies. Beyonce yes. was what me into drag. So when in doing that, like in being able to then honor her and she was gonna be there, 
like in the room, I was like, oh, this gotta be everything. So I called the dancers. I said, we get the choreography. We gotta start choreographing. We did a rehearsal on Tuesday, Wednesday. No. On Thursday morning. And we did the show Thursday night and got a standing ovation from Beyonce and Jay-Z. When I tell you. And by the way, hold on. But wait, hold on. Before you even go there, that bitch don't clap. She ain't standing up at the Golden Globes. <laughs> like if she don't like it, she ain't gonna say nothing. She don't have to clap. I don't even think she should bring her hands at that point because she has made it that far, okay? You got a standing ovation. Get into this. After it was done, she even got on stage and said, I'm just having such a good night. I didn't expect any of this. I put a run in my stockings because of Shangela. (laughs) Shangela, your children are one day going to see Beyonce. Look, Miss Tina Lawson's daughter, say to you, I put a run in my stockings because you had me dancing. And you know what? I will treasure every moment of that. And afterwards, they came to me and said, um, uh, Beyonce would like to, you know, quickly say hello. Um, We're going to take you to this, like, private, like, hotel suite where she was taking photos. And she's so gracious and generous. You know Beyonce, just... The dog, the, the ray of light, you know. Did you go to the hotel room? Did you go to the hotel room? Yes. Me and Jennifer, because you know, Jennifer, like, oh, I almost see Beyonce too. <laughs> so it was crazy. And I was there in drag, like, dressed as Beyonce, standing next to Jay Z, who was like, yo, what's up, man? And I was like, ah! yeah. It was there. And she was so sweet. Like, I couldn't have asked for a better moment. And I had all these things that I was going to say to her. Like, I was gonna say like, thank you so much for the first number I performed. You inspired me with your uh, commitment to your craft. And, and all I could say was, I love you over and over and over. And she was like, thank you. Thank you. I love you too. And I was like, oh my God, I love you. Shangela, you had a direct line to the president of the world of entertainment. You literally were talking to Jesus Christ in stilts. In platform oh, heel. Twice. Saw her again at the Tyler Perry. Fast forward to October. Saw her again at the Tyler Perry studio open that Jennifer took me as her guest to. And when Beyonce, I swear. Wait, did I, she, I, wait, I wait. Did she Hollywood you and say, oh, who? Or did she say, hello again? Do you want it? I want it. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. In all her Beyonce-ness is in this gold fitted Grecian goddess type to the flow mm-hmm. dress, right? With that long ponytail. Comes in the side to the dinner. Tyler Perry, you know, Tyler Perry, just rich. Just everything was rich. rich. And Beyonce comes in, and I'm over here next, you know, next near like Viola Davis. I mean, everybody black, Hollywood was there. I mean, everybody. 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 And uh, plus the Clintons. And also- But they black. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I'm sitting there and not in drag. I'm in my little Michael Jackson inspired boy look, right? And Beyonce, I look across and I see her. So, you know, when you see somebody and you're like, oh my gosh, I looked eyes and then looked away. Cause I was like, I didn't, you know, I hope I don't want, I don't want to like feel invasive. Like I'm staring at her, you know, I don't, yes. you know, whoa. And I saw her and then she, in coming across the wall, and she went, hey, Shangela. True story. This woman is 
just, I mean, she's butter. She's just like, just she's, she's, you know, she's apple pie. She's fat. And she just came to me and she like literally like poked me on the shoulder and she was like, oh, you look so cute in your look. I was like, thank you, Beyonce. And then I said, I was like, ooh, Beyonce, I'm having such a good time, girl. I'm gonna break out of five, six, seven, eight. And she goes, ooh, don't you do that. <laughs> she was so sweet. I met her one time at a party. <gasps> Tell me. And I walked into this party and just so happened, Kelly Rowland was at this party as well with her husband, Tim, who's so cute, so handsome. Tim and I kind of sort of had on the same kind of suit situation. And I walked up to him and we made a laugh, a joke about it. I was like, oh my God, great minds think alike. So he was like, ha ha ha. I had met him once or twice before through a friend. I had met Kelly Rowland through a friend, but I had never met the queen. And mm -hmm. sometimes when I get in these situations, I never want people to think I'm like invading on their privacy or like, I'm going to just like talk about something the next day on my like show. So I just like to keep my distance because like, I just, I don't know. And especially with Beyonce, I feel like I would fall out. I would queen the f out, pass out. They would have to drag me out. It would be all over TMZ the next day. It would be a mess. So she comes up to me and I'm with a few friends. Like the gays were at the party and like, you know, it was like a fun little, like, you know, it was like a little, like a, a little kiki. And she comes up to me and she leans into me and she starts talking to me and she's like talking da, 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 da. and she's like, yeah, I think we're going to go. Like, um, if you guys want to come, you can come. And in my mind, I automatically know she thinks I'm Kelly Rowland's husband. <laughs> but she might have had she might have had a few glasses of ace of spades at this point. You know, she might have had a henny or two. Like she was like, you know, we're going to go, but um, we're going to see you guys later on. If you guys want to come, we're going to just go, go grab something to eat real quick if you want to come. <laughs> <laughs> and I turned back around. I was like, all right, I'm going to see you back later on. Like, I'm going to just, you know, grab everybody and like, we can, we can like shoot out. Like, we're going to come after y'all. And she was like, cool, cool. Did you have fun? You have fun? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I had a few drinks. Like, you know, whatever. And the three guys that I was with were, mouth was on the ground. One of them I wasn't really cool with, but like, you know, he was like, oh, you're invited here. You know, when, when they try to flex on you like that, well, this motherfucker had to eat every goddamn word he said because Beyonce just left VIP to come talk to me. And, you know, I was sitting there hair flipping, even though the whole time she thought I was Kelly Rowland's husband. <laughs> but I'm going to take it as Beyonce and I are friends. I agree. I think we should all have a sleepover and hang out and, like, braid each other's hair and talk. Shangela... I literally have to say to you, from the first time I saw you perform in 2009 to today, the 11 years that you have put into this and what you have turned it into is short of a goddamn miracle, bitch. Because in LA, 11 years don't get you okay? People grind for decades, but I think people see the hard work and the true craftsmanship that you put in every single time. And I think people just know your character. And when I see you 30 stories high on Sunset Boulevard, it tickles my fancy every day I run past mm -hmm. that billboard. I am so proud of you. And whenever I see we're here, I think of myself because I know sometimes when I was young, I didn't see myself on television and I know what that felt like. And I know sometimes 
the gays and and the LGBTs, the Bs, the Ts, the drag queens. We are, we don't always see ourselves in one another, but I see myself in you, and I hope that one day I get to be on that billboard because I honestly pass by that building and I always say I can't wait to be on that billboard. And for some reason. When I pass it now, I feel like I'm a part of me is on that billboard. I really do. Well, I'll tell you it is because I wouldn't be here without so many people, not only just supporting me directly, but being out there and doing the job to get us even more visible as a community. And I celebrate every time I see you on television. I'm like, yes, you better be in the room. You better do it. <laughs> and being authentically who you are. You know, when I was a kid, I used to think we had to change ourselves in order to be on TV. We need to Same. tone it down a little bit. We need to, okay, I need to sit, I need to wear different things. I worked in corporate America for a while where I remember the lady asked me one time, a person who was higher up than me, she said, how long are you gonna let your hair grow? And I was like, what do you mean? At that time, it was maybe this big, an inch, like two inches, one inch. And she was just like, oh, well, you know, that kind of thing around here, you know? And I was, oh, I guess, you know, you look up, you go, I guess that's what I need to look like in order to make it. Yeah. But we're redefining that right now. And I, I'm happy to be on that billboard. I've always wanted to be, you know, that huge, the tallest building on Sunset Strip, but it's more important for other people to see themselves exactly what you're doing. Thank you to see themselves up there because we can all do it if we just keep on working and create opportunities for other people. You know, we got so many queens, especially drag queens, that are some of the most resourceful, creative, amazing people out there. And no shade to RuPaul or the RuPaul's Drag Race, but that show is an Emmy award-winning show in addition to RuPaul for being an amazing host and producers, but also because of the queens that make yeah. it so amazing gay, bisexual, trans, drag kings, we continue just to create more opportunities for more of us because the more we get to be seen, ooh, the world ain't even ready. No, for sure. And the more we support each other, and I think that's what we have to remember. And that's going to really be my thing for 2020 is supporting outwardly and visibly and verbally and on Instagram and on everything, supporting other queens because sometimes we forget that staying silent is just as bad as not supporting and bringing and bringing someone down and right. i know sometimes it's hard because when you're in it you can't see the monstrosity that you have you know built but six parts hbo that's some meryl <laughs> bitch you are big little lies for drag queens you are Ty Pittington in heels, bitch. You are making people over. <laughs> move that bus. You're like this, move that closet. Let me see your ass. I do move one day. that wig. <laughs> <laughs> That's what people were saying to you at the London premiere of A Star is Born. That, oh. <laughs> Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. And I will stick to it if you stick to it. When you get season two of We're Here, you have to come on my show and make me into drag. I've never been in drag before. Let me tell you, on the show We're Here, they, you know, HBO was amazing. They know that we had a lot of work cut out for us in doing the show. So they helped to bring on each of our special design teams that have everyone from our best designers, best makeup artists. I'm going to bring my favorite makeup artist in and we're going to do you. Because if I do you... You know, I do me lovely, 
But me doing other people, I just did my granny the other day. She was loving it. So I will try you. But if you want to really be the doll, we'll see if I can make you that. And if you're not happy, then I'm bringing my makeup artist and we're going to collaborate. No, honey, you are too big to work. You go creative direct, okay? You're going <laughs> to sit there with me. You're going to sit across from me. You're going to tell this motherfucker where to put, where to beat, where to highlight, where to bake, where to brighten. And we're going to we gonna drink some champagne while I go through the full transforms. I live. That's my specialty. I'll get one of those little, you know, like I work at Mac and paint the little half of face, you know, with the little eye, and I'll do the colors on the paper. And then we'll do it. We got it. We're going to do it. I am so proud of you. Where can people watch We're Here? Oh, now this is really cool. Not only can you see it on the network every Thursday night at 9 p.m., uh, but also you can catch it. Uh, you can go back and watch the first episode. They are doing. A, they did a live premiere for the first episode on YouTube. And there's a lot of content that's wow. going to be living not only on HBO's YouTube channel, but also different types of content on HBO's social. So check out my social over at Exchangel on Instagram and Twitter, and also check out HBO uh, or at We're Here. All those places you'll be able to find stuff. And also my co-hosts, Bob the Drag Queen and Eureka, look at their pages, because they post stuff a lot, and I love it. Oh my God, I love you, and thank you for taking this sip. Girl, I fell out of my chair twice. I gotta go, <laughs> I gotta step my fish up at this point. You're gonna be lovely, baby, I love you. I love you, thank you so much. Quarantine safe. Thank you too, boo, bye. Bye. Did you understand half of that conversation? Because I know we started talking in the Queen's language. I did. I did. Oh, we've been hanging out too long. If you understand the Queen's language now, <laughs> we've been hanging out too motherfucking long, White Lady Vanessa. I've done enough of these, you know, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you right now, when I first saw Shangela perform in 2009, she was ferocious. Mm -hmm. You know, most of the drag queens, they have these big elaborate situations. There's like costume changes, there's wigs, there's this, there's that. Shangela had all those things, but she was a fresh queen. She wasn't, she didn't have the budget. She didn't have the opulence, but what Shangela had was fire and performance. And when she got on the stage, you, you didn't have $2 to give to yourself, much less to somebody else, but you always gave your last few dollars to that person because they came on and they had grip and they had just the grit and, and everything that a performer needs if you have never seen Shangela in person, I suggest you go see her before she gets too bougie. Well, I mean, the proof is there, right? With the Beyonce story, that story. And the performance. I saw, actually yeah. saw the performance. You have got to see it. The fact that she only had three days to put that together right. is beyond me. Right. And the Beyonce like loved it and stood up and then recognized her at a dinner even when she wasn't in drag like everything about it was just I loved that story so much and your reaction was amazing <laughs> it, literally I'm telling you right now it's also nuts to me that like drag queens as much as people used to be like oh you're dating a drag queen oh she does drag those hoes are making coin bank they are proving that they are here to last. And I think the people who stuck with it, because a lot of people get into it and they get out of it and like they go back and they go in, like the people who have stuck with it and never gave up on their dream. And at that point, didn't even know what the dream was because right. there was only one other drag queen who had done it. 
Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how do you stick with something? How do you foresee that something's going to happen? You don't. You just make it happen. Right. When that's only there's only been one strong example. And now there's 10 because yeah. of the one who opened the door. Yeah. And they are true artists. I mean, from the from the performance to the hair to the makeup to the everything about it is art. Every single thing. I don't I'm freaking out about this HBO series. Yeah. Let me just let you guys know something. To get a show on air, on any air, mm-hmm. is really hard. To be a Black person, getting a show on air is tougher. Mm-hmm. To be a Black drag queen who is not RuPaul, to get a show on air and have another Black drag queen as your co-host is insanely hard. Now, set all that aside, HBO is one of the most renowned networks in American entertainment. Mm-hmm. Bitch, if you on HBO, you did some, you either killed somebody or you did something right. <laughs> because they're either doing a documentary about your ass, stabbing right. 25 people, right. or you're Issa Rae and we want you right now because everybody wants you. You know what I mean? Right. There's right. no in between. Yeah. And for me, I just cannot even believe that Shangela pulled this off. But at the same time, I can believe it. Right. Opening doors for sure. You guys, check out We're Here. It's on HBO. You have to see it. It's unbelievable. It's Queer Eye meets RuPaul's Drag Race with a lot of humor, a lot of heart, and most importantly, a lot of Shangela. And you guys, don't forget to rate, review, Leave that comment. Let me know what you thought about it. If you didn't like my interview style, that's fine. Give me a tip on what I could do better. Follow me at The Lady Sitter. Shoot me a comment. Let me know if there's questions that you want me to ask. If there's different things that you need from me, please tell me. I'm open to it. Tell your friends to watch and listen to Just a Sip. We will be back next week with a new cup of tea. 